This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And finally, we are less than two weeks away from football season. Actually, we're, we're less than a week away from college football starting. We got college football this week. We do. It's sort just, of. It, 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 Shane, it's so bad. Like, I mean... You remember when I don't know if you remember when they did these like old kickoff classics where they would actually have two good teams play like, I mean, Nebraska and Northwestern and were they playing Ireland or something like that? Does that I mean, nobody cares. Vanderbilt, Hawaii, nobody cares. Wyoming, Illinois, you couldn't they couldn't have put two decent teams in there. Well, I mean, what sadly, all of the teams you mentioned are all better than Arizona last year. Well, except maybe Vanderbilt. Well, but not necessarily this year. But last year, it's like, how many of those teams with Arizona have beaten? So, uh, okay. Uh, Hypothetical with, question. You don't have to answer. With, with that said, do you remember? Uh, well, I, I know you do, but if you're listening, do you remember Arizona and Hawaii in 2019? Sadly. It was the week zero game. And yeah. we were all really excited. Like, oh, wow, we actually got, we're the first game, first big game of the season. You know, Khalil Tate. We were talking Heisman. I was thinking. Yeah. And Colte eh. pulled a, a Kevin Dyson. And was it Kevin Dyson who was one yard away against yeah. the Rams in the Super yeah. Bowl? Same but, I mean, thing. One Arizona should have never been in the game. I mean, yeah. they, they were getting blown out in the second half. They yeah. He let him back. I mean, that was nice. So Arizona lost that game, won four in a row, and then lost 20 in a row after that, which is kind of an unbelievable uh and, yeah, and, wasn't it? And the only reason that streak is, is still isn't going is because of the, the, the COVID rules in Berkeley. That's it. Only reason it's not slow, it's so you going. so you're saying if that game if if Cal was not missing 20 players Arizona would still be winless. I think that's fair to say considering how close it was with all those players missing. Yeah, I mean that without their starting quarterback and their what, several O linemen and a bunch of other starters. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a big deal, don't you think? Uh, I try to minimize it. I try to say that the only reason that Arizona won that game is because I wasn't there. That's true. Because I was true. dealing with my own bout of COVID at the time. That's oh, that's right. That's right. You were sequ- so, you were sequestered. You were quarantined as well. Where, well, what, it was with, yeah. you know I was at the end of my my COVID, but I was like, all right, you know, I, it passed the ten day window, but I'm going to stay home. Oh, Arizona probably is not going to win this game anyways. Mm. And I was watching it at a sports bar, and what do you know? I mean, it happens that way. All right, so you're going to eight games this year. I am, including San Diego State. Uh, yep. Still waiting on my tickets, but as soon as those come through, I'm sure the University of Arizona will come through with flying colors and make sure you 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 attend that game. I have called the ticket office twice and been told that I'm okay, so we'll find out this week. Uh, but yes, I'm hoping to be at eight of the twelve games this year. So yep. very excited, if not more. So uh, excited about that. Uh, also excited about our guest uh, on this show, Shane, our buddy uh, John Wall Street, aka Corey Left. AKA Howie Long Short on Twitter. He has three names, as you like to say. Just, well, to just like us. my guy, just like my guy Saul Goodman on Better Call Saul. He's got three different names. Uh, I got to mention that season finale, series finale. You're was, big on that. Um, yes, I love I that show. Love that whole yeah. that whole universe. But uh, no, no, Corey's great. Guy is a wealth of information, and I'm sure he's going to give us some more good stuff here shortly. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about conference realignment. We're going to talk about TV networks. We're going to talk about some inside info, maybe that he's gotten from his Arizona sources about this year's football team. So uh, a lot going on with our buddy uh, Corey Left coming up later in the show. But first, it is time for Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. And uh, Shane, you have your ice shaker right there, your Wildcat Country ice shaker. You can get one as well. If you don't have one by now, go to iceshaker.com, use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and you can get your real life Wildcat ice shaker, just like Shane's and mine uh, there for with $5 off. Okay, uh, number one in buy or sell. It's a good move for the Big Ten to raid four more schools from the Pac-12, as has been rumored, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford so that they can take over that late night ESPN window that I dread. Good move or bad move, buy or sell? If it's all about the TV money, you got to buy it, I think. Um, we're, we're all heading toward mega conferences anyway, and the Big Ten is on the verge of becoming one already. This would make them, give them what, 20, 22 total teams? Uh, you know, we're probably looking at three mega conferences sooner rather than later at some point. So, uh, yeah, I think if they have to bring along Cal and Stanford, you know, Stanford was more attractive a few years ago. I think Cal, I don't think it's attractive much at all, but if that has to be part of the deal, they have to piggyback on the Oregon, Washington coming over then, then yeah, you're asking from the big tens perspective. Yeah. It's all about the TV money. And if this is what it takes to close that deal with ESPN, then so be it. The only reason Cal's involved here, Shane, there's there's actually two reasons. Number one, it's because of the San Francisco TV market. And yep. number two, it's because of the idiots uh, who are on the Cal Board of Regents uh, because they're trying to, to get, you know, because UCLA abandoned them. So they're trying to get Cal in there. Cal stinks. Cal has a crappy football team and they have a crappy basketball team. The Big mm-hmm. Ten does not want Cal under any circumstances. They may be forced to take them as not to have to deal with the repercussions from taking UCLA and not letting the the Cal Board of Regents know beforehand. Stanford makes sense. Great academic university. Therefore, so is Cal. But I mean, you you have to buy this just because they'd be getting Oregon, Washington and Stanford. But let's be honest. Can you imagine ESPN, the, the Big Ten doing this and ESPN putting out a Cal Rutgers late night. I mean, there's no way that anybody's going to watch that. No, how way. would the big how, a Big Ten? How would you like to watch an 8:30 p.m. start over at, um, on the oh. 11:30 on your in your case? But you know, hey, every conference needs bottom feeders, and Big Ten already has a couple. You know, Rutgers, Indiana, whatever. You know, maybe maybe Cal will will join them. Here's why I'm in favor of this. As long as I if Arizona is never has that ESPN 7:30, 8 o'clock, whatever window ever again. I'd be thrilled. Like, I, I know that it's still going to be there. FS1 yeah. has it a, a couple times this year. Well, and you have to have late night starts in in, in, in Tucson and September. Tempe, you know, September. You just have to. I mean, you don't have to. You I do. mean, if you, in September, if you think you back to, I think we were in school or maybe a little bit afterwards or a few times afterwards, there's been, there was five o'clock uh, September games. Well, USC, Arizona was one of them. Uh, I think Mark Sanchez was playing quarterback. Um, I mean, at ABC Telegast, I mean, uh, UCLA, the last time college game day was in Tucson. Um, I mean, that was a five. Was that o'clock. a September game? It was a September was game. Early? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because then yeah, things September went downhill after that. Yeah. No, I, no, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. As but, but it was late September. Yeah. And so was the USC game. You can do it. Uh, I'm not buying this. Five o'clock in late September. I'm fine with that. The, the Arizona game should start no later than seven o'clock. These eight o'clock starts on September 10th and 17th are They're like brutal. the death of brutal. all of us that have to drive further than from Tucson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Yeah. From, from, from the, anywhere in the Valley. Yeah. Uh, disaster. Especially after a loss. Oh, it's a disaster. Okay. Number two, uh, Shane, uh, buy or sell Arizona's quarterbacks will average 250 plus yards passing per game in 2022. I think it's a good number, but I'm going to sell it. I'm going to take the, the, the under on that. Uh, I think that it could be close. And I think that Jaden Delora will at some point maybe have a 300 yard passing game in there. Um, hopefully because he's having a great game and not because Arizona's playing catch up and they have to throw the ball. But I think Arizona is going to be a run first team or at least a run heavy team, a balanced team in that regard. Uh, I think that's Jetfish, more Jetfish's style. Plus, they just have a wealth of tailbacks uh, who can run the ball. And I think they're going to want to set the tone. So uh, 250, maybe not be too far off. And I think Jen Delore will, like I said, will have at least one 300 yard game in there. But I'm going to take the under on that for now. So last year, uh, Jetfish is uh, for passing. Uh, Arizona averaged 226 yards a game. And that was with bad quarterback play, but they were getting their butts kicked often. So uh, I'm going to take the under. And it's not because Jaden Delora is obviously a downgrade, a downgrade because he's not. It's because I think Arizona is going to be closer. And I think they're yeah. going to be able to run the ball. I, I, I don't think there's going to be as many blowouts. Uh, it, you know, Delora's a good quarterback. He can definitely, you know, throw for that. And maybe, you know, if it gets to that point, maybe Jed opens up his offense and with Cowing and, and T-Mac and turns it into a passing offense. I'm going to take the under. I, I would say somewhere between 225 and 250 seems like the right number. In the 230s probably seems about right. But I think Arizona, the way Fish wants to go with it, wants to run the ball uh, more often. And they have a stable of running backs. And so I'm going to take the under for that reason. So therefore, I will sell. Yeah, well, and, I, and every potential starting quarterback for Arizona, Delora, Fafita, McLeod, they can all run the ball themselves. So I think they're going to pick up some rushing yards, which may cancel out some of those passing yards. Plus I think they're going to run a lot of plays, you know, not just, you know, hand the ball off the tailback, but some reverses and some trickery that's not going to be in the passing yard category. So for that reason, I think it's probably going to be a bit under 250. I think it's going to be closer than it was last year, but yes, I'm going to take the under. Uh, Number three, Shane, the highly touted freshman trio of T-Mac, Speedy Luke, and Kean Burnett will combine for double-digit touchdowns this season. I think that's an easy one. I think that's an easy buy. I think easy, easy. Yeah. Well, wow. They're they're all true freshmen, but by necessity, they're all going to get significant playing time. You know, that they, like I said, Arizona, I think, is in the middle of the pack now in terms of uh, raw talent, but in experience, they're toward the bottom. They're going to have to start a lot of uh, true freshmen, and these three. I mean, maybe these three would be get significant time regardless because they're all going to be that good, but. I can't imagine that there's not an average of three point three and a third touchdowns per player in there between T Mac Burnett uh, and Luke. I think Luke was going to reel off at least a couple of long touchdowns, like we saw on Saturday in that scrimmage. It was a scrimmage, but still, you saw how fast he was compared to some of the guys around him. Uh, T Mac, I think, is going to reel in a couple at least at least a couple of highlight reel touchdowns. Keon Burnett's going to be a good red zone threat. Between the three of them, I have a hard time believing there's not at least ten touchdowns in there. Okay. So here, I'm going to break this down based on my projected odds. I think T-Mac has about five. Okay. That's, that's what I'm going to say. And I know some of you will think more. He could easily have double digits on his own. But for now, I'm going to say five. I think Kean Burnett's going to have three. And I think Speedy Luke is the factor here. How much is he going to play? There's, yeah. there's a, lot of, a lot of running backs in Arizona Stable. I'm going to say he has three as well. And I'm going to put the over-under at, at 10 and a half. So I'm saying 11. But I think it's going to be close, Shane. Not easy, okay. but close. 
I, I, that's fair. And I do think that, you know, with the wealth of tailbacks uh, that Arizona has, and which is a good problem to have, like we talked about last week, uh, I don't think Rayshon Luke's going to get a lot of uh, red zone carries necessarily or, or goal line carries. And it's going to go to someone else, most likely, probably Michael Wiley. But I, I think he's going to break off at least a couple of big runs. I think that's where he's going to get them, kind of in the same way that Trunk Canada did against ASU with those three long runs. He's got to be at least a couple scores in there. And then between Burnett and McMillan, I can't imagine there's there's less than eight between the two of them. I just think that necessity that that, that they're going to be more of a factor than that. So when you brought up uh, Trunk Canada just now, uh, you, and you talk about Speedy Luke as being that dynamic playmaker, would you say, you know, candidate was in the 90s, you know, Clarence Farmer was a, was a really good Arizona running back in the early 2000s, but it wasn't really a, a game breaker. The last running back that came to campus as a freshman that really preseason had Arizona fans' attention was, Kid, was Kadeem Carey. And uh, I think, what was that, 2011, something like that, 2012? Yeah. Um, would, would you say that Speedy Luke is the most hyped Arizona freshman running back since Kadeem Carey? Possibly, probably since him. Um, and there, there's some good, I mean, he's not the only great freshman running back in this class as well, but yeah, I think so. I think Carey got a little more attention because he stood out a little bit more. He was by far the best uh, running back commit in that class, the best addition at the, at that position. Uh, and they just didn't have as much depth back then. Uh, you know, no. I think they didn't nearly as much. And Kadeem Carey was the, the bell cow almost right away. This freshman year, they had Keola Antlin and they split the carries. But after that, he was the guy. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen with any of uh, Arizona's tailbacks this year because there's just so many, so many talented guys who can do different things. You know, some are more dangerous from the goal line. Some are going to be big and you know, getting them out in space. Some are, gonna, are better pass catchers. There's going to be a lot of mouths to feed and some of them aren't going to get on the field as much as they want, but, but yeah, speedy Luke is, is exciting. And you just, you get him some space, get a little bit of space and, and he's going to take off and you can just, you never have enough guys like that who could just out outrun their opponents. Well, we had him on, I believe after his U uh, S army, all American bowl, two touchdown yep. performance. Yep. So if you're new to wildcat country, go back in the archive. Yeah. And you can check out our interview with Speedy Luke. He's a good Fantastic kid. plug. Yeah, that was yeah. a good interview. So uh, go check that out. It's from a while back. I mean, we're, it's probably, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes ago, something like that. We'll so catch up on all the other ones while you're at it too. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, you have a few, you know, you have a day, nothing going on. Just, what just else do you have Wildcat country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. 24 hours straight of Wildcat country. Uh, number four, Shane, at least two or more teams in the conference will finish with worse records than the Wildcats this season by yourself. Oh, uh, if you're talking in, in conference play, in conference then I, only. Yeah. yeah. Then, then yeah, I'm going to buy that. I think so. I think they're better than at least two teams in there. I think Arizona, I think looking at their schedule, non-conference is maybe a different story, but in conference, I think there are three wins in there and three wins will probably be more than at least two teams get. So yeah, I, I think that they'll be better than at least two teams, maybe not more than two teams, but I think two teams is about right. So I'll buy that. Okay, you're going to buy it. I, yep. I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to circle two dates on the calendar. September 24th, October 1st, Arizona at Cal, Arizona home against Colorado. Those are the teams that I think will be worse than Arizona uh, at the outset. The Wildcats have to win both those games. The other team that I would throw in there um, is ASU. Now, I know we talked to Canzano the other week that they got some, you know, they, they brought in some nice transfers. Uh, Emory Jones, the, the former quarterback at Florida, but with the turmoil around that program, you just don't know how they're going to gel. 
the enthusiasm in Tucson versus the lack of enthusiasm in Tempe is is a stark difference. ASU to me is the biggest wild card in the conference. You know, Arizona might not be predictable because we don't know how much better they're going to be this year compared to last year, even though they obviously are much better on paper. ASU, I, I think that they're the, the floor to ceiling is a, is a wide range. I think it's anywhere from two to three wins to seven to eight wins based on some of the transfers they brought in. So it depends. They're not on winning they, eight games, Shane. They're well, not, it, depends, I, it depends on how they gel. It also depends on if they can avoid the off-field distractions, like Arizona's men's basketball team had to do a few years back. And and we'll see how all that goes. They got a lot of new faces in the coaching staff as well, obviously, which is um, you know, except not including Herm Edwards, which is kind of surprising. Uh, but yeah, ASU. I could see that Arizona finishing ahead of them in the standings. I could also see ASU finishing second or third in in the South. So I am still standing by what I said what, six months ago or more, Arizona's going to beat ASU uh, the day after Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm, we'll, 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 I, see as, we'll see if you're as confident the week going into I, I, I Right. I don't want to guarantee it, but I feel really good about it. Okay. okay. A bonus question. This comes from Zach on Twitter. It's a great question. It's not a buy or sell, but I, I felt compelled to ask it here. And it's a great he's, question, by the way, not just because he's my nephew. Yeah, that's right. It's yes. a great question. It's, it was a great question. All right. Zach said... So if you had $1,000 to wager on one of these two outcomes, either Arizona winning one game and going 1-11 once again, or mm-hmm. Arizona going to a bowl game, where are you putting your $1,000? Now, with that said, if I were an odds maker, I'd put the odds of both at about 5-1. to one. Seems okay. about right. Yeah. So how are you? Where, where are you putting your $1,000 down, 1-11 uh, or bowl game? Well, what, does Vegas have the over-under at two and a half wins? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So they actually have it closer to the one than the six, which is interesting. Correct. But I, I see it's a good question, not because of the nepotism thing, but mm-hmm. because I really think it is because I had to think about it. I, and I think, you know, what's going against Arizona, obviously, the uh, the schedule, lack of experience. I think the offensive line is still a liability, unfortunately. But on the plus side, they're just so much more talented. Like, it's ridiculous how much more talented they are Correct. Uh, going into the season. So I, I think they're closer to a bowl appearance than they are to one win. Uh, it's not a, sl- a slam dunk either way, but if I, if I had to, I'm not a gambling man like you, Eric, and I'm thankful for that because I'd lose a lot of money if I was, but I would, if I had to go with six or one, I would go with six. I'm actually going to take the opposite here. I, I would say if, if you said a, bet a thousand dollars on one of these two outcomes, I'd put one in 11 and let me explain why. Arizona has three non-conference games they could they could lose. Yeah. They're going to be underdogs in at least two of them and probably against North Dakota State if and when there is a line there. Um, so you could hypothesize 0-3. Then they have a, a stretch from mid-October through mid-November where they could lose or they should lose five in a row. So there's 0-8 right there. I mean, let's say they don't win at Cal. They, Colorado at home should be a win. And then Washington State, you don't know what they're going to be like with a new quarterback. And then ASU in the last game, even though I like it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, as much as I want to say Arizona can make a bowl game, which I think they could, I just don't think it's likely. I think 1-11 is more likely. Usually we're on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of you know, optimism versus pessimism, or as I, I like to call it, realism. But, yes, yes. Uh, but it's interesting. And, and you know what? It shows that it was a good question because you and I disagree on it. Right. And, and but we disagree in that you thought I would take or I mean, people listening would think, oh, yeah, Eric's going to be the homer and take the take the bull and Shane's going to take the 
The one, no, this was not scripted. I had yeah. no idea. What oh, I don't like, and I don't like either bet, but if you're again, forcing no, you to I don't bet, but you know, if I had a thousand dollars of Eric Cohen's money to spend, I'd spend a thousand dollars of Eric Cohen's money on six wins instead of one. If Eric Cohen had a thousand dollars of his own money, he's not making a bet on either one of them. Um, Fair enough. Next week, we're going to do a kind of a Pac-12 preview. And the week after that, we'll do, you know, week one picks and and go over our national championship contenders, stuff like that. So we'll get more into what we think about the Pac-12 and how many wins will Arizona have. We'll, we'll kind of dive into that. We're, we're planning to get, to get back on a regular schedule this week. So this podcast comes out on Monday. Uh, we're hoping to put out another one Wednesday or Thursday, somewhere in that ballpark. And then we get back to the Tuesday, Wednesday uh thursday kind of weekly so you guys will summer, get your, summer uh, breaks over yeah summer break is over uh and and shane and i won't be traveling as much for work so uh, our real jobs so uh that's we'll get back on a normal schedule with that said coming up next uh kind of a regular guest that we've had lately it's our buddy uh, Corey left aka john wall street aka howie Longshore, uh here on wildcat country Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it Gronk. right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact: when I was I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody when we were trained together, people thought I was I was the other Gronk brother. So it's kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code Wildcat Country at iShaker.com. Shane, it's always good to welcome back our friend and the guy that just pretty much knows everything about anything in sports business. That's our buddy Corey Leff, aka John Wall Street. You can check him out on the Sportico platform, and he's a wonderful follow on Twitter at Howie Long Short. Corey, always glad to have you on once again. Uh, since we last spoke with you, actually this week it came out that the Big Ten is looking to expand further, or so it, so goes the rumor. How much do you buy into the fact that Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are large targets for the Big Ten in uh, very short order, let's say? No, to be honest, you know, because m- most of the stuff I hear comes from the Pac-12 side. Um, with that said, I think that all four of them would jump at the first opportunity. Um, I, I don't blame them for them for that. If Arizona was offered uh, to be one, you know, to leave, we would jump at the opportunity too. Um, so I, I think everybody is open to the idea of a Big Ten, uh, you know, offer, if you will. Um, I think the focus at this point for everybody is understanding that that, that may not come uh, imminently. And so what's the next best option? And I think there is at least a feeling that the next best option is banding together with the existing group, uh, the remaining group for the next five or six years, um, not a 10-year deal, not you know a long-term deal, but enough to, to buy the conference some time and figure out what the next step is. Um, and, and likely that step at that point becomes either some sort of, you know, some sort of, I don't even want to speculate, but I think at that point it becomes like, how do we tie up with either the Big 12 or the ACC to create that third power conference um, or, or third you know, super conference, if you will. But I think everybody is just waiting to see how the landscape plays out. And and so, sure, if if the Big Ten offered any of those guys, they would move immediately. If they offered us, we would go with them. 
Um, but assuming that that doesn't come, uh, I think, you know, the, the idea is let's try to get enough money from ESPN or I think it'll be ESPN, but uh, from a broadcaster or broadcasters that we can um, not fall too far behind and, and still be positioned for what what becomes that next great shift. Because remember, last time we spoke, there's going to be another round of realignment. This is not the final realignment round, so it's figuring out like, okay, let's how to position ourselves for that next that next round. Yeah, Corey, you responded to a report a few days ago that uh, Arizona and Arizona State may be kingpins and what happens with the big 12 and the pac 12 you said nah arizona is not a kingpin the only way that they're going to move to the big 12 is one of the if one of the north schools leaves the pac 12 first can you just go into that in a little more detail if you would sure uh, yeah i think I, I was surprised to see somebody suggest i forgot who suggested it but i was surprised to see somebody suggest arizona and arizona state would be the kingpins to make it fall because of what you were just saying um, you know, most of the speculation has been around the North schools. It really hasn't been around Arizona. Where's Arizona going? The Big 12, I told you for a long time, has been a fallback option for the for Arizona. Um, so Arizona is there. Uh, you know, I, I, I continue to say this, but Arizona would prefer to keep the conference together. Um, let's get a TV deal that keeps us competitive with the other conferences. Uh, let's buy some time, figure out what the TV landscape looks like. And, and worry about the next round later. But, uh, you know, right now, I, I think there is no way Arizona is leaving for the Big 12 with those four schools sitting in the Pac-12. I mean, just none. It's, it's a non-starter. And um, now don't get me wrong. If one, of, if one of those schools were to leave, I think the conference is, is done. Um, and at that point, everybody is scattering to the best opportunity. The first call for the Pac-12 will be to uh, the SEC. I don't think they're interested. The second call will be to the Big Ten. They're probably not interested. Uh, at this point, again, we're not talking about the next round of realignment. We're talking about imminently. Um, and, and so at that point, the Pac, you know, I, I think the third call becomes to the Big 12. And that's, like I said, there's a, there's a safe landing spot for us there. Corey, if the, the Pac-12, Pac-10, I'm just going to call them the Pac, if they stick together for the next several years, like you say, any chance that they might add some schools? Like you mentioned San Diego State a couple of days ago. You say they, they fit from a, a TV standpoint, but not really from an academic or athletic standpoint. Yeah, so I think – I don't think that's the first option, but let's start there. Um, I think the first option, if we're going to expand at this point, is some of the Big 12 schools. Um, I told you there's – there is a Oklahoma state is clearly the, the one a, um, but then you start looking at kind of a second tier of schools, like who else could be potentially value add. And you start to weigh things like the, the Texas schools, um, which is TCU, which is Baylor. Um, there are undoubtedly questions there about cultural fit and the religious acts aspect of those schools. Um, I don't know if those could be worked through, but I think the idea of, of Texas is the most attractive. Um, I heard Kansas, uh, surprisingly. I think, you know, that, that Kansas would be in that first group of, of Big 12 schools that the PAC would look at. Now, beyond that, you have schools like San Diego State. Um, San Diego State is interesting. Because San Diego State gives you the TV market, right? The, the, the Southern California TV market. And while it's not Los Angeles, it's still a big TV market. Um, it also 
allows the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 schools to continue to tell recruits that we're going to play in Southern California. We're going to have regular games in Southern California. Now, I think that's, I don't know that that's a huge, I, I, I think the first part is more important than the second part. Uh, the fact that there's a lot of TV households um, that, that you know, and potential eyeballs in that market. Um, I think the Pac-12 is committed to playing games in Southern California, in Los Angeles, um, whether or not USC and UCLA exist in the conference. And, you know, so whether that is, you know, neutral site games or, or, or whatever the case may be, maybe they're out of conference games. Um, I, I would be, I, I think there is plans and intent to continue to, to control that Southern California market or to at least have a presence in that South, Southern California market. Um, you know, from an Arizona standpoint, I don't know how critical it is that we play games there. I think that, you know, for families that, from for kids that are come from Southern California, the drive to Tucson is still easy enough that, um, you know, those families can still see their kids play. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily critical that, that we, the Pac-12 plays games there, but I think that from a perception standpoint, they still want to have that market. Now, San Diego State, makes sense from a market standpoint it does not necessarily make sense from one a athletic a competitive uh, athletic standpoint their commitment to athletics um, and i know they just built a football stadium the football stadium is thirty five thousand seats um so we're not talking about the same type of of commitment that you get from the pac-12 schools obviously from an academic standpoint it doesn't really hold up either so there are there are questions about san diego state San Diego State, um, I think, would be interesting. Uh, I think San Diego State, if they come, is not going to receive a full share. Um, you know, it, the the value that they bring is not is probably not net add, mm -hmm. um, and thus to add them, uh, it requ would require them to take less than uh, a, a full share. A full share, yeah. You know, I do think that they would, you know, frankly, from where they are right now, it's still probably beneficial for them to to make the jump from the Mountain West. Yeah, and, and I would I would agree with you. I'm looking forward to seeing their new stadium in a few weeks. Um, you know, heading out there and, and checking it out. That'll be it'll be interesting. It's just hard to imagine a Pac-12, you know, school in Southern California in a 35,000 seat stadium. But that's beside the point. What's your expected time frame on when things could happen next? That the next moves by these conferences should be made. What's your just guess? You know, it's. It... I don't know the answer to that. I think that it had, that you need a catalyst for it, right? Like what, what's the catalyst for it? Um, I don't think that like Notre Dame is imminent or anything like that. Right? No. So there's no, no um, there's nothing there. The CFP just announced that they're, they just locked in sites through I think 25 and 26. So like 2027 is now like the earliest we could see an expanded CFP. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what the next, you know, and, and, um, yeah, so I, I don't know what the next catalyst on the calendar is, to right. be honest with you. Um, uh, but I, I don't think it's necessarily imminent. Um, you know, I, I think that we could, you know, this could play out over the next couple of years. Do you think that there is any issue with UCLA joining the big 10 in that the board, California Board of Regents, which seems like an absolute debacle and a half, um, is the, are there going to be any issues there, 
Or in his, and part two of that question, is that why Cal is even being discussed right now to the Big Ten? Um, I didn't follow the, the meeting the other day, but I was kind of following along a line. And it seems like there's a, a strong disconnect between with the, the way the region, I don't, I'm not sure, somebody tweeted, like, I'm not sure the regions have ever seen or watched football. Um, there were, there's certainly some questions about um, how knowledgeable they are on the subject. But just as it relates to the UCLA, I don't think there's anything that they could do other than kind of inflict some financial pain on UCLA. Like, I think it'd be, I think it's hard to imagine the regents uh, forcing them back to the Pac-12. Um, there's questions, though, about whether the, Pac- the Pac-12 would welcome them with open arms. I mean, there are there is no doubt the trust has been broken with UCLA. Um, there are definitely some hard feelings. It would be very hard to work through that stuff. Um, now, you know, I think if push came to shove, they would welcome them back. Um, but it isn't as it isn't exactly like the Pac-12 is saying, you know, come on back. We really would love to have you, and we'll forget everything uh, that has happened to this point. I mean, there's. Uh, the, the remaining schools certainly feel like USC and UCLA stabbed them in the back. And it's going to be hard to, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine those schools ever working together cooperatively again. Corey, uh, I don't know how much of a difference this makes, but we used to say me five or six years down the road, we may see, you know, the PAC, the PAC 10, PAC 12, maybe break up, go to the big 12. Maybe they'll add on, or maybe the other way around the PAC 12 will add some schools. How was well, Arizona's on-field performance in terms of football? Could how could that impact or maybe even improve their position? Does that really matter? Like if Arizona becomes a bowl, you know, a bowl team the next couple of years becomes maybe the how the you know they were at the height height of the Mike Stoops era, for example, could that benefit them at some down the road, or, or how is that all going to shake out? Would no question, right? Um, because ultimately, that's what this is going to come down to is like value in terms of football and and. Uh, so yes, I, I actually, I happen to be a, a huge believer that the quality of the play on the field could impact our attractiveness to a future conference. Um, you know, it's great that we have basketball that continues to be a power, but ultimately football drives this conversation. And, you know, I happen to see, uh, I think FanDuel put it out today. Uh, you know, on social, I and mean, it wasn't anything big or anything, but they put together like a mock bracket and they said, which of these teams would win uh, a college football national, cha- an eight seeded, an eight team college football national championship? And they had Rutgers as the one seed, Arizona was the two seed, uh, but it also was like Kansas and UNLV and UConn and like a bunch of other really bad programs. And like, mm. we just don't want to be in that conversation. No. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it could make a huge difference if Arizona were to, uh, you know, to win some, to win, and, and I don't expect it to happen this year, but if Arizona was to be a, you know, to win the South and to be playing in games like uh, the Holiday Bowl or the, or the, um, the, um, uh, the game in San Antonio, I'm like, I'm, the Alamo Bowl, the Alamo Alamo Bowl. Bowl um, you know, obviously the, you know, to put, be able to play in a Rose Bowl, I think that makes a huge difference in, in terms of being attractive, uh, because we also have, you know, we already have some of the, the, the things that go in our, in our favor, right? Like the academics, like the basketball, like the Phoenix market, um, you know, kind of, so there, there are certainly some tailwinds to Arizona that are attractive, but uh, the, but is always, but the team stinks. 
Um, if the team, you know, doesn't stink, um, then I think Arizona becomes a really attractive option. Last question I got for you, Corey. Uh, Eric brought this up last week, but I'll rephrase it a slightly different way. Are Arizona and Arizona State a package deal as far as what where they might end up, or is there any scenario in which they could end up in different conferences? You know, I think Arizona would like to stay with Arizona State. I'm not sure Arizona trusts Arizona State, right? Um, and I think both schools would, you know, if one were op- offered a Big Ten spot, for an example, would jump at it, and the other one would be left, you know, kind of just floating there. Um, but I think Arizona would prefer to stick with Arizona State. I don't think that there's like – I wouldn't say I wouldn't call them a package deal, but there I think there would be at least on the Arizona side um, some motivation to try to keep that relationship and that rivalry uh, intact. All right. Three rapid fire questions for you real fast. Uh, Number one, in three years, Arizona is in which conference? You know, I I think that the Pac-10 gets ends up getting good. A, a, a decent TV deal. I mean, I don't think they're getting anywhere near with what like the Big Ten was able to get last week, but I think they're going to end up getting a decent TV deal enough to keep them in together as a conference. Uh, I, I would be surprised if Arizona's not in the Pac-12 in three years. Number two, Arizona wins how many games in football this season? You know, I, I'd like to think we could get to six. Um, I, I don't know if that's realistic or not. I do know that there's a feeling within the athletic department uh, that this is the best team we've put on the field in five, six, seven years. Um, so from a talent standpoint, you know, how, whether that translates to wins, I, I really don't know. The, comp- the schedule is tough at the beginning, um, you know, and, and so this team could be way better and still not be a 500 team maybe. Um, but, you know, I'd like to think that talent-wise, we're going to be in every game. You would hope. Uh, number three, uh, since you have the inside track at Arizona earlier this week, there were issues with Jaden Delora and Jacob Cowling missing practice. Are there any issues going forward that you know of with either player? No, I, I hear everything is fine. You know, it's, it's, it, there was a lot of, you know, minor type stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, nothing, nothing major to worry about is what I, what I was told. And, and that seems that to be the case. Um, you know, I, I think there's, Cowing particular is somebody that we need. Um, the, you know, the, he has been, from what I understand, fought by far and away the best, the best wide receiver we have on the field. Um, he's a guy that that I think we need to play, um, and then that includes T Mac. By the way, uh, T Mac, from what I understand, has looked. Um, you know, he's, he stands out because he's so big and he's made some amazing, you know, some amazing catches. We saw the one in, in the spring game or in the, the scrimmage, you know, a week or two ago, um, but he's not physically ready to play it. Um, that's not to mean he's not going to play. He's going to play, but he's the guy that, you know, in high school, he was picking on, you know, five, nine corners and that you're just not going to find a ton of those five, nine corners in the pack 12. And um, when guys are hitting him in the mouth, he's not necessarily, you know, hitting them back in the mouth at this point. Um, it's going to take, I think a couple of games, a couple of weeks for him to figure it out. Um, he's it, counting is going to be the number one wide receiver. Um now, as it relates to Delora, you know, I think there's something a lot, there's a, certainly a lot to, to like about Delora. His ability to make plays uh, outside of the pocket has been, um, I know, something that's been kind of impressive um, and, and something that has, has been encouraging. Um, I think there's less pressure on Delora just because, uh, frankly, Fafita's been good. 
Um, you know, I think that, that there's a belief that, you know, and, and, and by the way, um, McLeod too is, is obviously still on the roster. So I think that like, there's just a feeling that we're at the, the, the quarterback position has, there, there's more security and depth at the quarterback position than there is at the wide receiver position. Um, Dorian Singer, by the way, is another one who I've heard has had a good camp, um, and, and should, should be improved. Um, and I thought he had a really good freshman year to begin with. Well, you not only talk about sports business, but you also have the inside track to uh, anything and everything U of A. So, Corey, as always, glad to have you on. And I'm sure at the rate we're going, we'll probably have you on again soon because there'll be more news. Yeah, no, happy to always join you guys. Stoked about the football season coming up. Um, I really I really hope we get through that San Diego State game. Like, if I would hate to see a lot of the goodwill and, and excitement and momentum go out of you know, kind of a lot of the air go out of the bubble in that first week. Um, but I think, you know, I think people in, in the set, you know, understand, you know, and then we get Mississippi state, which is obviously a tough game, but I think expectations are probably pretty realistic around that one. And then you get the third game, which I have a hard time understanding why we scheduled North Dakota state in the first place. It's, it seems like a very, you, you gotta be a pretty big college football fan to understand that that's not going to be a rollover. Um, and if you win that game, it becomes like, well, they're North Dakota State, but North Dakota State is good. Um, and that's going to be a tough game. Um, I think it honestly, from a, from a pressure standpoint, some, I, I feel like it helps that we're playing Mississippi State first. Um, if we ran into San Diego State and then North Dakota State and you're 0-2, like that becomes a much tougher uphill battle against Mississippi State in, in week three. Um, I think the way it falls out actually probably works in our favor. Well, now, Shane, and I don't even need to do a breakdown in a few weeks. We just got it right there. Thanks again, Corey. Always glad to have you on. Always. Always glad to have Corey Leff on. I don't need to uh, rename him once again with all of his names. Actually, I do. Uh, John Wall Street on the Sportico platform, at Howie Long Short on the Twitter. Uh, Shane, just your thoughts on what Corey had to say specifically about his thoughts on the team or what he heard about this year's football team. Pretty encouraging. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear his thoughts on, um, you know, mostly positive stuff. Interesting to hear his thoughts on, uh, on, on Tedaroa McMillan. I'm going to try to actually say his name. Tedaroa. Tedaroa McMillan, T-Mac. And uh, that he might uh, necessarily struggle his freshman year, but maybe not be a star quite as, as quickly as we thought. Jacob Cowling is going to be the, the number one. Uh, I certainly think he'll benefit from Cowling being on in the other side of the field. He might not get every um, defense's best corner, uh, but it's interesting, you know, and he, he might get hit in the mouth a few times. Uh, now, now he's going up against the big boys in college. He even said after the scrimmage on Saturday, something to the effect of, you know, going up against Christian Whirl and Wallace. He's like, yeah, he's, he's bigger. He's stronger sure. uh, than, uh, than the guys I faced in high school. So uh, it'd be a good awakening for him. And in the meantime, He's got, uh, you know, cowing to hopefully take the, the pressure off of him and a lot of other targets, you know, Dorian Singer, uh, his, his buddy Keon Burnett. So he'll be one of, uh, of, of many options. He won't have to be like the guy right away, which is, you know, Cowing's commitment was, was big for that reason, among others. Uh, so, but I, I think, I, again, like we talked about in the first segment, I would be shocked if he didn't have at least one highlight reel touchdown grab. At some oh, point. he'll have not more. Yeah, he'll have multiple. With, with that said, you you look at the Pac-12 historically for cornerbacks. You know, there's not really a guy that's like a shut down corner. I mean, Arizona's had a few: Daryl Lewis, Chris McAllister, Antoine Kaysan, uh, all Jim Thorpe Award winners. I, I think McAllister was uh, in '98. I mean, outside of that, I mean, there's not really a guy or multiple 
where you're like, wow, these guys, Arizona is not going to do anything against these corners. The Wildcats are going to be able to feast. If Jaden Delora can, or, or Fafita or whoever the quarterback is, can get these guys the ball, uh, they're going to have opportunities to make some plays. So uh, I'm excited to watch that. The other thing, Shane, that, that stood out to me, Arizona is not going to be the catalyst for Corey uh, as far as the team that jumps first into a different conference. They're going to wait on the, you know, Pac-12 North schools. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you at all? No, I don't think so. And, and I don't think Arizona's really in a position to be a catalyst. You know, if men's basketball were king, maybe they would be. Yeah. But it's not. It's football. And they've struggled. And like like Corey said, uh, they if they start winning some football games, that'll actually help them down, down the road these next few years. Uh, so, uh, no, I'm not surprised by it. Um, I'm, in, I'm interested to see if Arizona and Arizona State stick together on the, in the same conference. I think they will. But yeah, it's, it sounds like um, based on what Corey's told us multiple times, what John Canzano's told us is that Arizona is intent on sticking with, with the conference, at least as long as everyone else is. There's like, I'm in as long as you're in kind of attitude. Um, that can change at any moment. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with where they're at. And, um, you know, no, no pressure, Jed. <laughs> you know, just, just win, win some games these next few years and, and give Arizona a chance to uh, get a better TV deal and a better conference. And point. I'm standing by what I've said for weeks. I went out of this, this lame duck pack conference because I think that Oregon will jump. They will bring others with them. Uh, it's just inevitable that the Big Ten is going to expand as far as I'm concerned, and I'm just ready for Arizona to be done with this conference. It just lost its luster without the Southern California schools. Hate to say it, uh, but it's true. Speaking of scheduling and such, uh, in the past week since we did a show last, uh, the Pac-12 announced their uh, conference windows for basketball, when uh, for men's basketball, when uh, Arizona specifically will play certain teams. So their first Pac-12 game will be on the road uh, December 1st at Utah. And then December 4th is their first Pac-12 home game against Cal. Then they have a few more non-conference games uh, before ASU between Christmas and New Year's. Is there anything that stood out to you, Shane, in looking at this schedule that was kind of abnormal or advantageous or disadvantageous, disadvantageous if that's even a word, uh, for Arizona. I believe it's a word. Yeah, no, not a lot. Uh, I did notice that they do play at ASU, I believe, between Christmas and New Year's, which Correct. is interesting. I know in the yeah. years past when they've played ASU in Tucson between uh, the holidays, all the students are gone. And so you have other people filling up the student section. The question is, in Tempe, will other fans fill up that student section uh, like they did in McHale? And will they have the curtain of distraction? Because how is ASU going to beat Arizona without the curtain of distraction? So uh, in all seriousness, you know, the, uh, taking the students out of it, I, I feel like it's kind of a shame to not have students there for the rivalry games. It just makes it more fun. I think, you know, in 10 PM, not as upset about it, obviously, sure. but, but it would have been nice to have them there. And then they, they close the season. Arizona closes the season um, against ASU at home, I believe. Yeah. Well, so one thing to, to note in looking at the schedule for the windows, uh, the uh, window for the ASU, the first game on the road is the last possible day is January 2nd, which is a Monday. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance we all get that off of work. Uh, could Arizona and Arizona State be playing another Monday game like they did uh, earlier this season, even though it was a makeup game from COVID? Uh, could that be another Monday game uh, in Tempe? But as you're right, Shane, uh, no students means no ridiculous curtain of BS. Uh, well, and I, and could it could it be, be more McHale North than usual? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Will, will, of the, course. will the usual amount of Arizona fans show up? So oh yeah. Oh, just no, an no. interesting dynamic, possibly. Uh, 
So ASU is a senior day for Arizona uh, at home uh, at McHale Center, February 22nd through the 26th. What's interesting to me about the schedule is that the Wildcats' last regular season games will be against UCLA and at USC. So they're, they're at those two schools. I don't really like it. I want the Wildcats to get some momentum going into the Pac-12 tournament, uh, which would be the following week. U- UCLA looks to be the best team in the conference, probably Oregon number two. Uh, Arizona and USC probably number three at that point. I, I would have liked to have seen an easier opponent um, and, and maybe that be at home as we've seen in previous mm-hmm. years, but uh, that that's my biggest complaint with the schedule. I'm a, I'm the other way around, actually. I kind of like the, the the schedule that's tougher as we get closer to the NCAA tournament. I'd like Arizona to be more battle tested um, going in to that, uh, to that tournament, assuming they make it, which I think they will uh, despite the fact they've lost so much talent, but yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with them get, getting punched in the mouth, and hopefully they 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 punch back. Uh, got to win one of those two games. Got to win yeah. one. Yeah, yeah but and even if they don't, I think it's a good a learning experience. And then maybe you go in the into the Pac-12 tournament, you probably face at least one of those teams there, if not both of them, and you get a chance for payback in front of uh, what essentially is a home crowd in Las Vegas for them. So I'm okay with them uh, facing those teams toward the end of the season and, and getting ready for the you know tougher NCAA tournament play. Well, for the next seven months or more, we have uh, football and basketball predictions to make in every show uh, outside of this one. And uh, just super excited. We, we've made it. We got through, you know, the, the summer, which is always the, the tough part. But a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Uh, obviously, football should be better. Basketball, uh, men should be interesting. The women, really, really good. Adia's yeah. done a great job with that. Yep. Uh, softball coming off a a year in uh, Oklahoma city where they made it to Oklahoma city in the final eight. And uh, you know, can the baseball team, you know, make another run and maybe uh, in, in Chip Hale's second year, do something similar to what they did in Jay Johnson's second year, which was make it uh, pretty far in Omaha. So uh, pretty exciting time uh, coming up over the next seven, eight, nine, maybe even more months uh, of, of live games. So uh, we're here. We finally made it. So I uh, want to thank our friend, uh, Corey left a.k.a. John Wall Street, a.k.a. Howie Long Short, for joining us, uh, as always. Uh, For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as I always like to say, bear down. Bear down.